0: So the SECURE Act looks like, oh no, we're trying to secure recovery. We're doing really great things for you. We're, we're changing a handful of these things. But really what it was, was, was it ended up being a stealth tax to a lot of folks because their kids are gonna get that money probably in their highest earning years. And then you're gonna have to take that money out almost immediately, in which case it's gonna raise the taxes that the government can collect.
1: help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Welcome to today's podcast. This is Scott Dugan, your host of the podcast today. Uh, We're continuing our Estate Planning 101 uh, with uh, Chris Gaughan and Casey Keneally of Gaughan and Keneally Estate Planning Attorneys. Gentlemen, how are you doing today?
0: Doing great. Thanks for having us, Scott.
1: Thank you. Absolutely. Well, excited to talk to about today's topic in our State Planning 101, uh, we're going to talk about stealth taxes. And that's different than stealth bombers and stealth technology. Uh, these are sneaky taxes uh, that we don't necessarily think about or know about that can really add up uh, once you start, you know, if you're affected by them. You know, in our firm, uh, Elevator Retirement Group, uh, tax planning is a big portion of what we do. Again, it's we want to pay our fair share of taxes, absolutely, but we don't want to be overly patriotic in doing so. And so it's there's a tax plan out there uh, that's given to you by the IRS. And if you don't do anything, that's the plan you're going to follow. And so it's up to us or up to you to find, either to figure out those laws and navigate through them, or do what I do is strategically delegate to someone that can help me through that process. That's what a lot of you have done on this podcast. You're know, listening to the podcast. You've delegated to our firm to do financial planning and investment management. If you're a joint client, you've gone to Chris and Casey, and you've delegated the estate planning portion to them because they're experts at it and do a great job. And so very excited to hear what they have to say today about stealth taxes. So, gentlemen, I'll turn it over to you.
0: Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. And so when we say stealth taxes, and Scott had a, a great definition for it, when we're talking about stealth tax and estate planning, I want to just really hone in on what we're talking about to make sure we're, we're on the same page. Because when we say stealth tax, that's kind of a, a term that Chris and I use around the office. It's a type of tax or a levy or a fee. It's different mandates and rules. And I'll say rules with a little kind of quote before it, silly rules, usually. Usually these rules are silly. But they're mandates and rules that increase revenues without raising the IRF taxpayers. So these are ways that the government uh, or administrative bodies can say, hey, we're gonna charge a fee for this. We're gonna charge some more money for this, but we're not gonna call it a tax necessarily, or we're not gonna put it in the tax code so that people won't get mad that we raise their taxes. It essentially still raises your taxes, but it doesn't look like it does. We call those stealth taxes. And and the four different stealth tax topics or stealth tax uh, areas we're gonna talk about. One, we're gonna talk about death taxes. Uh, That's one that everybody asks about. What's the death tax? How much is the death tax? We're going to do that in some detail for you. We're going to talk about IRAs and the different ways that those get taxed. And uh, I know if you've worked with Scott, uh, he's talked to you about this before, and we're going to go into it from an estate planning perspective a little bit and try and help there. We're going to talk about probate. Uh, Probate not necessarily have any specific quote-unquote taxes but there's a lot of fees and uh, administrative hassles that come through when we talk about probate. We want to talk about that. And then other administrative fees that just come up when you're dealing with somebody that's passed away that end up costing you money, taking money from your family, not going to help families, which is really what we want to try and do with, with all of these things. So uh, Chris, you want to you kick it off for us and talk about death taxes?
2: Yeah. Everybody loves to talk about death and taxes. We're going to talk about them both together, which is F- a favorite topic of everyone. Just, yeah. awful. just awful. Like
1: Chris drew the short straw, so here you go.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'll tell you one of the, the biggest concerns uh, that clients expressed to us when they come visit with us is they don't want to pay any, any taxes unnecessarily when they die. And um, there is this assumption out there uh, that, that you're going to pay some kind of death tax. And so we want to talk about that one real quick. It, it uh, isn't nearly as bad as it looks, but it can be if you're not careful. And so, The way death taxes work, there's a certain amount of money that we're allowed to leave our children or our grandchildren or our nieces or nephews, whoever it might be, up to a certain amount before we have to pay any kind of tax. They call that the estate tax exemption, right? So that's the amount I can leave my kids before I have to pay any kind of death tax or estate tax. And right now, that threshold is really high. It's 11.7 million bucks. And in fact, um, with some of the estate planning strategies we use, there's a way to get that per person, right? That takes us all the way up to $23.4 million that we're able to leave our kids or grandkids, whoever it might be, before we pay any kind of, of death tax. Now, those are the federal numbers. I will tell you about half the states have a state death tax on top of the federal. We don't have it in Missouri or Kansas. It was abolished about 15 years ago. But some of these states have them that kick in at real low levels. Uh, Iowa kicks in on, on any amounts left over $25,000. I think Nebraska is any amount over $40,000. In our area here, we're lucky in that the, the federal number is all we really care about. Now, um, as a general rule, the estate tax or the death tax is paid by a pretty small percentage of the population. If you've got $11.7 million for a single person or $23.4 million for a married couple, not a lot of folks are going to be exposed to that. But there's a couple caveats. So number one, it doesn't really matter what the estate tax exemption is today. It only matters what it is when you die. And it bounces around a lot. Um, it's very political. It kind of goes back and forth depending on who's in charge. And so just as an example, right now it's $11.7 million. Um, it's going to go down to $5 million automatically on January 1 of 2026. It may go down sooner because obviously the politicians are certainly free to change the law at any time. Um, and just as an example as to how far the pendulum swings, in 2013, we had a million-dollar tax threshold, a million-dollar exemption. And back at that time, everything over a million was taxed at 55%, which is a huge number. Now, even if you're listening go, oh, gosh, a million bucks, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. It is. But understand that when we figure out whether you're going to pay any kind of death tax or estate tax, it's not just your investments. It's not just your house. They also count all of your life insurance, even term life insurance. And so I have a whole bunch of term life insurance and my wife has a bunch of term life insurance. And that's to make sure that we provide for each other and our kids if one of us were to pass away. That term life insurance has zero cash value whatsoever, but every dollar of it would count towards the estate tax exemption. And so one of the things that we run into that's a bit, um, you know, kind of contrary to what you would think, A lot of times younger professionals or at least professionals with young kids end up having a larger estate than their parents or people who are in retirement uh, simply because of the life insurance issue. So anyway, um, we don't want to dwell too much on death taxes because it's still a relatively high threshold. Really, though, the, the takeaway on this issue is you have to be vigilant. You have to watch for changes in the law and you have to make sure that over time if the estate tax exemption continues to come down, that you take some kind of steps uh, to get out in front of that and minimize your tax liability.
0: All right, so the second stealth tax that we wanna talk about today are individual retirement accounts. When we say individual retirement accounts, we're talking about IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, any traditional retirement account that is pre-tax. Now, we know that if you are talking to Scott and the folks at his office, you've talked many, many times about tax strategy and how important that is. We want to reiterate part of that for you from the estate planning side because it is so, so important. And so, if you've been listening to Scott, he's going to have told you some of these things already. Maybe we'll give you a little bit more of a spin or some other things to think about with these as well. But these IRAs end up having to be taxed either to you or to your children if you don't spend all the money at ordinary income rates. This is typically a much higher tax rate than just paying regular capital gains. And that ordinary income tax rate is on the entirety of the account. So a lot of people come through and they say, I've got a million dollar IRA, I'm gonna give a million dollars to my kid. Well, you're not if it's in an IRA. What you're doing is really giving them a house with a mortgage on it, right? Because if you have an IRA that hasn't been taxed yet, there's, Uncle Sam is still owed some money. So it's just like a house with a mortgage. Instead of a million dollar IRA going to your kid, what you're really giving them is more like a six or a $700,000 IRA after taxes. And because of that, people estimate the amount of money they're giving to their kids the wrong way. They think about those distributions the wrong way. And we really need you to start thinking in terms of what is the after-tax dollar that we're looking at. One of the other stealth taxes that comes up very recently with these IRA and 401k and 403b accounts is from the secure act and i know if you're a client of scott's hopefully you've been to one of his secure act presentations he does a great one on this he actually came and did that for our clients how would we have a couple hundred clients go through that There's almost 700 yeah of, of our personal clients scott was gracious enough to come in and do a presentation all about secure act and changes there but the secure act was essentially another stealth tax it wasn't a change in the tax rates it didn't say you owe more money it didn't say that we're going to change the the amount What it did was it accelerated how fast your kids will have to take the money out of the account after you pass away. And if they have to take the money out faster, what that typically means is they're going to have more income each year, which then means they're possibly going to go to a higher bracket in the ordinary income tax rates. and They're going to end up paying more in tax. So the SECURE Act looks like, oh, no, we're trying to secure recovery. We're doing really great things for you. We're, we're changing a handful of these things. But really what it was, was was it ended up being a stealth tax to a lot of folks because their kids are going to get that money probably in their highest earning years. Right, Chris? I mean, you're gonna, your parents probably pass away when you're in your 40s or 50s uh, when you're making the most money during your lifetime. And then you're going to have to take that money out almost immediately, in which case it's going to raise the taxes that the government can collect. Uh, this was this was definitely a stealth tax so if you haven't heard from scott on secure act or seen one of his presentations highly encourage you to find one of those i know he's probably talked to you about it but that's a big one for us around the office a lot of people talk about the death tax like chris was talking about before uh, and the estate tax and in our office we talk about the modern estate tax and the modern estate tax is really income tax on these iras because the government has told us for years hey this is the best way to save for retirement it's the best way to pass this money on because uh, you're going to pay lower taxes when you retire. And what we've found is that's not really the case. You end up paying uh, the same or more taxes with these types of accounts, and it always, a- almost always filters down to your kids. Uh, and it makes planning in those situations a lot more difficult. So watch out for uh, individual retirement accounts as another stealth tax that's out there.
2: All right. So now we're going to talk about uh, what is probably my favorite stealth tax. It's kind of odd to think that I have a favorite tax, but this is the one. And the reason is, is because people like Casey and I are the recipients of this stealth tax, right? <laughs> so we're going to talk about probate. So uh, probate is just the process of, of transferring assets to your heirs when you die. And it's not cheap to do. Uh, the fees vary a little bit, depending on what you're doing and what state you're in. But we always tell folks, tell our clients, probate fees are going to run around three to 5% of the gross value of the assets that have to go through probate. So kind of break this down. Let's say we have a $250,000 house. It doesn't matter whether it's a mortgage or not. We just look at that, that overall value of two hundred fifty. dollars And to get that house through probate and transferred on to your children or grandchildren, whoever it might be when you die, it's going to cost about 3 to 5% of the value of that house. So $7,500 to $12,500. Now, um, who is the recipient of most of that fee? Well, it's actually probate lawyers, which is part of estate planning, right? In fact, we actually have a full-time probate attorney here uh, who does nothing but help families navigate probate after, after loved ones have passed away. And so this is an enormous sneaky expense that families don't know about until, frankly, they're kind of stuck in the middle of it. Um, and one of the lessons I tell clients over and over again, right, you need a lawyer to help you do this stuff. Lawyers make a lot more money helping you get out of messes than they do helping you avoid messes. And so if you are stuck in probate, right, you're, you're kind of in it for the long haul. Now, as part of of probate, there the fees. There are all these nickel and dime fees you get hit up with. You have to pay the court to file the case. You have to pay the court an amount that seems to be random to me uh, when you close the case. I've never seen a calculator. They just tell you how much you owe. Of course, you have to pay the attorney, which is the majority of the, the cost. There are bonds that have to be taken out to make sure that the executor doesn't run off with all the assets when you die. A lot of times there are accounting fees, particularly if the the probate process has gone on for a long time, you have to pay to put notice in the paper and publish things. And so this is such an odd thing. It's not a tax uh, to the extent that it doesn't go to the government, but it's a tax uh, from the sense that it's money that your family has to pay in order to get access to your assets, right? It's money that they have to give away that they don't want to in order to administer things after you pass away. And so uh, there are many, many ways to avoid probate. How to do so is a little beyond what we're gonna talk about today, but understand that's probably the sneakiest of all the little expenses that are gonna come up when you pass away.
0: Absolutely. Um, The other kind of stealth tax or stealth fees that we wanna talk about are delays and administrative fees. And most people don't think about a delay being a tax or a cost. They just think it's a time issue. Well. Time is money. I know we've all heard that phrase before and nothing could, be, nothing could be truer when we're talking about kind of the probate process, the dying process and transferring assets. Because when there's a delay, there's almost always going to be a cost when we're talking about closing out an estate. So one of the easiest ones to kind of identify on this is the carrying cost on real estate. If you have to go through a probate process, if you can't sell a house right away, so mom and dad pass away and you can't sell the house for 12 months or 18 months, you've got a lot of carrying costs on that real estate. You've got to make sure that the taxes stay paid. You have to make sure the house is insured. You have to make sure the utilities are on. You have to make sure the grass gets mowed. There's all of these additional things that you have to put into that house that quite frankly, you're not going to get back out when you sell it that are going to go as a fee or a tax, essentially a stealth tax, when you go to try and sell that house at the end of life. Now, if you could go and say, sell that house the day after mom and dad passed away or a few days after mom and dad passed away, there's only a couple days worth of carrying costs. It's very, very low, very, very inexpensive. You have to hold it for 12 months or 18 months. That can be thousands and thousands of dollars in delays. Um, one of the other delays that comes up is a delay in accessing assets. Let's say mom and dad had $200,000 sitting in their checking account. If it takes you 12 to 18 months to go access that $200,000 in a checking account, which is at you know, 0.1% interest or something, Well, number one, you can't go invest it yourself. So if I gave $200,000 to Scott and he can go get me a couple more percentage points in the market or with some other uh, financial product, well, that's a great deal. I'm losing money for every day that I can't give it to him. Another delay that comes up on something exactly like that, let's say I just wanted to keep it in cash. What if I didn't want to invest it? Maybe I've got a mortgage on my house and I said, gosh, this inheritance is going to be great. I'm going to be able to pay the mortgage off. Well, if I have a mortgage that I'm paying and I can't pay off the mortgage for another 12 or 18 months, then I got to keep paying the mortgage out of my pocket. And that's going to be in interest and fees and other things that go with my mortgage, maybe a few thousand dollars that I could have saved had I just had access to the assets earlier, right? If I didn't have to wait through that 12 or 18 months. So those opportunity costs are there because there's other things I can do with those assets rather than just sitting there waiting for us to distribute them. And then, you know, kind of finally, we want to talk about confusion and disagreements between family members. Oftentimes, uh, confusion can cause extra delays and fees. So if there's not a plan that's written up that says, here's who's going to be in charge. Here's what they're supposed to do. Here's when they're supposed to do it. A lot of times a family says, oh, we'll get together. Maybe it'll be a few weeks. Maybe we'll talk about it. We'll send some letters back and forth. Maybe they'll get a little chippy and send some (laughs) some emails that they maybe shouldn't have sent with uh, mean things. Those kinds of things also cause extra delay. And with that extra delay comes extra fees. And if we can avoid that because we've got a really smart plan that's already written down, we don't have to go through those delays. We don't have that confusion. Any disagreements that the, that the family may have is already laid out in those documents to where they say, there is no disagreement. Mom and dad said to do it this way and this is what we're gonna do. In which case we end up saving a lot of time and in turn saving a whole lot of money.
2: Well, thanks Casey. So as we come to the end of our session here today, One of the things we always try to do uh, anytime we speak with Scott or or anyone else is we always want to provide useful and actionable information. And so a lot of times folks just want to know, hey, how do I figure out how to minimize stealth taxes? Or how do I even figure out what stealth taxes I'm going to have to pay or my family's going to pay? And I will tell you, um, planning to avoid stealth taxes is really much more of a collaborative effort. There's not really one person that's going to know how to do all these things. You've probably noticed from our discussion. A lot of the things we talked about fall under the wheelhouse of what Casey and I do when it comes to avoiding probate and avoiding delays and things like that, avoiding legal fees. But then another large part of this is planning to leave your retirement accounts to your heirs in the most tax efficient manner. And so generally uh, when folks are trying to develop a plan to minimize or avoid stealth taxes, it tends to be a collaboration from an estate planning attorney or by an estate planning attorney. Um, with a financial advisor who really understands the ins and outs of taxes and whose uh, strategies uh, revolve around how to minimize taxes going forward, not only for you, but for your family. So um, if you'd like more information on this, um, it tends to be a collaborative effort between your estate planning attorney and someone very knowledgeable like Scott. And so Scott, I think that's the end of what we have to offer you today.
1: Well, thank you, gentlemen, and great information as always. And this is an example of You know, this could be happening to you in your plan if you don't have someone or a group of people that are watching over and guiding you down the correct path. And it's one of the things that some people may not even know that these problems exist or these types of, quote, stealth taxes. And so it really comes down to looking for a specialist, looking for a person, a group, a team of people that know how to navigate the complexities of not only estate planning, like Chris and Casey are talking about, but the the complexities of financial planning, of investment management, like our firm and all the advisors we have here at Elevator Retirement Group. So I think Chris and you said it, said it perfectly, and Casey you know echoed that is that most of the time, if you're you know getting close to retirement in retirement, you assume if you have a CPA if you have an estate planning attorney, if you have a financial planner or financial advisor, you assume that they're all on top of everything. My question to you is, when was the last time all of those team members had a conversation together? Is there someone quarterbacking that? Is there someone guiding to make sure that all the decisions you're making are being made in a vacuum or they may be made in the context of your overall plan? And that's one of the Greatest things about our relationship with Chris and Casey, and the myself and the advisors here at Elevator Retirement Group, we work together to make sure we cover all the bases, turn over all the rocks, and make sure how, are we giving our clients the best advice possible, not only so they can have the retirement that they really want and dreamt about, but are they going to be able to pass on their hard earned assets to their kids or grandkids or church or charity in the most efficient, effective way? And I think that needs, you need a team of people that specialize in that, you know, like our firm or like with Chris and Casey, um, uh, they together, we, we do a fantastic job of, of guiding our clients. So again, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, looking forward to many more podcasts in the estate planning One Hundred and One uh, series. Uh, you guys have a great day and we'll look forward to our next uh, podcast together.
2: Thanks Talk Scott. To you soon, Scott. Take care.